Well, Merry Christmas. Welcome to a uh, holiday version of the Boilers Extra podcast. Pleased to be joined by David Blau. Maybe you've heard of him. He's a quarterback for the uh, for the Boilermakers. Been trying for all year to get him on a podcast, and he just he never had time to do it. I know that's I'm giving you a hard time that's on that, David. True. I, I figured <laughs> I figured uh, it'd be my Christmas gift to you. <laughs> and it's it's a great Christmas gift. We appreciate you taking time. Well, thanks for having uh, on on Christmas and. It is Christmas Day, so 15 years ago, you're in the Blau household. You're getting up. What, what was okay. uh, what was that like? What what was a Blau Christmas Day like for you back then? Man, eight eight years old. <laughs> um, David Blau was probably running around uh, off awfully early with my two older brothers still in the house, and they'd probably get real annoyed with me real fast in the morning. Um, but you wake up early, and it was Christmas morning. You I still believe. I mean, I, I believed in uh, Santa, and uh, Santa had came early, and um, you know, I I walk out to the living room and see all the gifts, and I go and wake up my mom and my dad and my two brothers, and um, you know, we celebrate Christmas there, and then from there we we'd move to Grandma's house, uh, have a big brunch. Is that Grandma Faye? This is uh, Grandma Fran, actually. Fran. Fran Husingfeld, my mom's <laughs> side, and she always was fantastic with um, the Christmas brunch, and we, we'd celebrate there and, and open Christmas presents, and then um, from there, kind of go home, and in the afternoon, we'd end up going to Grandma Faye or Mimi's house um, and have Christmas dinner uh, with Dad's side of the family. So it was always filled with uh, gifts and... Uh, family and those are those are some really great memories what's the what's the toy that stands out in your mind so whether it was 15 years ago or last year you're gonna think i'm crazy and maybe i have a picture of it somewhere but 15 years ago i it was probably right about this time i they used to sell sets of rydell helmets mini helmets right like this big and one year i got all five set i got the pac-12 i got the big 12 i got the big 10 the sec the acc and my dad um, had made a shelf that I could put all the helmets on. Um, that was one thing I asked for that I remember. And to this day, they sit above my bed. All the helmets, NFL, AFC, NFC, uh, Ivy League, all the helmets are um, stacked above my bed. So uh, on the shelf that my dad built. And uh, that was something that I loved when I was a kid. Is there, uh, are there helmets of teams that don't longer exist? Ooh. Um, there's definitely outdated helmets because everybody's <laughs> everybody's gone to a new helmet. Um, but, you know, at the time, my, both my oldest brother was getting ready to become a Texas Aggie, so I love, you know, Texas A&M. And, um, but I'm trying to think if there's anybody who doesn't exist anymore. Every every once in a while, I see a team that I don't recognize, and it's probably just because the helmet's outdated, or uh, it's an Ivy League school, or you know some of the um, some of the smaller conferences. But uh, it was that stayed above my bed, and uh, whenever a game would be going on, I'd match the two teams up, and you know do it kind of tournament style. Oh, this team won okay. today, and that'd be my way of keeping track of college. Football kids being right kids, I love right. it. Kids being kids. Right. Uh, I mean, when you're in a, you're in a city right now that has a pro football team that didn't originate from here. Yeah. You, have, you know, the, these these guys or this franchise used to be the Houston Oilers, 
way back in the day. Right. And then they came here, they're Tennessee Oilers, and now they're Tennessee Titans. So okay. is there a Houston Oilers? I don't think – I think I was a little <laughs> bit after that. Fifteen years ago, I think I was a little bit after uh, the Houston Oilers. So, And Carolina Panthers was right around that time too, the expansion team. Um, so I think I, I had just missed that. Okay. All right. Well, one reason I wanted to, to have you on is that I don't feel I could write the story about all your trips to South Africa and do it justice. So I feel, what's the best way to do that? Well, have David talk about it <laughs> because then he gets his thoughts out there. He gets what he wants conveyed out there. Yeah. It's not just me trying to interpret or trying to, you know, write it like that. So why, why, why were all those mission trips? If you call them mission trips, I'm not yeah. sure what exactly you'd call them, but yeah. why did you get involved in that here? Cause you know, this has been something cause I think is seven. Is seven. it seven trips yes, since you started at Purdue? Yeah. Why, why was that an important thing for you? Oh, man, I could talk all day. And I appreciate uh, <laughs> that you said that, really. I, I'm told I have till 5 o'clock. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, what, it's 1 o'clock now. We can. All right. No, um, you know, the first time I went on this trip, uh, it was the spring of 2015, spring break. And. Um, I had made up some excuse to Marty Dittmar the, the year before because I, I had missed home uh, and I wanted to go home for spring break. This semester I enrolled early. Then I redshirted and I got to know Marty, uh, the chaplain for Purdue Athletics, and he kept asking me. He kept saying, hey, why don't you come to South Africa? We have great trips. You know, they're offering a trip to Haiti too, but the, the South Africa trip is spring break. I'm like, wow, that really fits my schedule. I would love to go. And I went the first time with Paul Griggs and BJ Knopf, mm-hmm. and it was just the three of us and Marty. And you get there and you think, wow, I am going to help so many people. And then you sit there and after a week of whether it's digging a ditch or, or um, you know, building a fence or helping paint a house, you are loved on by these kids in the time that, that you get to spend with them. Uh, and you sit there and you think, wow, I thought I was going to help kids who, you know, quote unquote, less fortunate than I. And they did 10 times for me what I could ever do for them because of the joy and the hope and the love that they have. And I'm sitting there like, wow, I mean, just touched. Like, I love this place. I fell in love with the place immediately when I got there. And and then the kids start saying, well, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come back? When are you going to come back? And I said, oh, I'm coming on the next trip. And I'm a man of my word. And so I said, I'm coming on the next trip. I came back in May. Um, and I like to tell people now, the first time I went to go, you know, go see these kids and, and help out and um, thought yeah, I was going to, do my part on a mission trip to serve others and now the seventh time the, the fourth the fifth you know the seventh time now I'm going back to visit my friends yeah that's what I tell people I, I, the first time I went you know these kids were names frankly names I couldn't even pronounce and now I'm going back to visit my friends and you know for them to have in their lives you know typically orphans Everybody they've known or have been close to has left. And to have somebody who can keep coming back, 
that's what I wanted to be as a positive influence, a positive role model in their lives. And so that's why I go back. That's why, um, you know, I go back to serve. And one day, you know, I'd like to go for a more extended amount of time at some point. So um, the place is special to me. Um, and the people there are special, whether it's the American missionaries who work there or the kids uh, and the families, the moms and dads who live at the orphanage and serve that, that village uh, are incredibly special. Uh, so you've, you've watched a group of kids grow up. Grow up, yeah. I mean, probably, I don't know what age they were when you first started, but some of them have to be pushing teenage years yeah. right now. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, so, you know, going over the span of three or four years, you know, you kind of see that, oh, a nine-year-old turns into a 12-year-old and they grow five, six, seven, eight, nine inches. Um, or you see... Um, you know, a kid who's starting high school the first time I was there now, who's getting ready to go off to university. Um, that's what they call it in South Africa, going off to study something, who's who's worked hard in high school, and every time we come back, we pick up where we left off, and it's like, yeah, this year, you know, I'm studying biology or chemistry uh, or um, algebra. I'm like, wow, you know, these guys are learning so much geometry, and then, you know, they're getting ready to go off to college, to university, uh, and at that point, you know, they kind of create a Facebook and you can stay in contact all the way from here. And you, know, you build these friendships that, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for and I really have my whole life. So how has, how has the internet age kind of helped you stay connected to that? I don't worry about that. Um, That's David's phone going off, by the way. Um, someone texted him, Merry Christmas. I would, I would probably, imagine. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the internet's been huge because, um, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, you can stay connected um, to the people who work there at the village and the kids nowadays. And when they go off the university, all these schools have computer labs that they can, you know, they can go on and um, and sign up and make a Facebook, and we can message back and forth. And you know, there's one kid there, a special young man to to me in my heart, who um, said, you know, hopefully. Uh, you know, he wants to come to my wedding somehow. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be able. To, we're gonna be able to swing that. But uh, I didn't have that written out on my list of questions for you. But now well, that you brought it up, we'll get to that later. Well, good. <laughs> I, but I mean, there's friendships that I, uh, you know, some of my best friends really. Right. So who who are who are these kids? Their names. You said uh, when you when you first got there, you had a hard time pronouncing their names. Now. Yeah. Seven so, years, you should have like all of them uh, memorized, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I got to be careful because there is at, the orphanage does have a lot of um, privacy rules. Okay. All right. uh, but okay. Yeah, there's one the the young man who's now out. Um, you know, there's a family there. It's the Masiza family. Uh, Jack and Maria are the are the mom and dad who who serve the house. And um, the, the young man's name is Alfred. Um, his name's Alfred Maziza, and he's a biological son of Jack, but Jack and Maria live at Bethesda Outreach and, um, you know, have adopted foster care, um, become orphan, you know, permanent homes for six or seven other children. But Alfred, uh, Alfred Maziza is one of my, um, you know, closest friends, and um, there's... A lot more that I could name, but I, I don't want to get in trouble. No, that's fine. No, I just you gotta be careful because these are these are these are people that obviously mean a lot to you now. Yeah. I mean, wh- where would 
where would you be in your life if you didn't do that back if you didn't take the jump and go to South Africa or go someplace and 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 do that I mean where would you where would you be in your in the stage of your life right now oh man uh I've learned so much and something you know my sophomore year 2016 was a rough season for me all right you know I'm not shy about sharing um that I led the country in interceptions and I will uh, say I'm better because of it um, but a big part of that was the kids in South Africa because they loved me uh, I tell everybody say they love me uh, that year whether I threw five touchdowns in a game or five interceptions uh, and I did both that season you know <laughs> and um, the perspective gained from people who love you unconditionally they don't they don't know David Blau quarterback because football American football is not a thing over there they know David Brow David Blau uh, Christian, brother in Christ, um, somebody who loves us and comes back to see us. And that's what they know, and that's why they care for me, and that's why um, you know, I was able to keep standing up sometimes after those hard, the Cincinnati game was mm-hmm. tough. I think I had three weeks where I might have thrown three picks back to back to back mm-hmm. and at the end of the season. And then, okay, that season's over. Yeah, I'm going to go visit my friends before my junior season in South Africa and be with them and it just flips that switch right back to you know why are you taking yourself so seriously you're you know you're playing a game and it's so much bigger than um you know the three hours on a saturday where you kind of get caught up and think the world's ending if if you don't play well um and there's a, a lot more to this life than a game so when you when you kept going back uh to, to South Africa was did you have to update them on your football did they care about your football career did they follow your football career in any way did they get reports how you were doing during yeah. during that particular season so actually the the principal and she was the principal at the school was a Purdue graduate okay. and uh, a missionary out of Casus Street Baptist Church in Lafayette where I attend and um, she would stay up for it's you know about a seven hour time difference so if we ever kicked off at 3 30 it's kicking off there at 10 30 or 11 30. um if we ever kick off at night it's kicking <laughs> off at two in the morning or three in the morning and she's staying up and watching every game and um she's she's relaying the message to the parents she's relaying the message to the kids uh, you know how i played and they could probably tell if she's tired or something <laughs> uh, the following you know monday when she sh- she showed up for school but um, you know, one of the most touching stories that I have about that is in November of 2017, I broke my ankle. And I went to South Africa in March 2018, just four months later, right after I had been cleared. And everybody there, the first question, Uncle David, Uncle David, how's your ankle? I didn't even know that they all had known, known about it. The first thing that they could, they they were wondering if I was okay. They were wondering if it was fixed, if it was better. Um, and then we got to show scars and uh, tell them what happened. And everything. you're gonna play again, right? You're gonna play again. And they wanted me, you know, to get back up on the horse and, and go back and keep playing. And uh, I mean, really inspiring things for me and and helping me along my my career. That's why I say, you know. Um, Everything that's happened to me here, the the good games, the bad games, the injuries, the coaching changes, I I am so thankful for it all. 
and those experiences with uh, Bethesda, and I'm so much a better person because of it. Um, and I just, it's hard to explain. It's hard to put it, express into words. It's part of life. That's right. It's just part of life. It's just what happened. All right, so the next time you ba- go back, what's going to be the story about you that you're going to tell the kids, or the kids are going to know about you when you go back again, which I don't know when that's going to be. And I don't know. I don't know when exactly it's going to be either. But they're. I think they're going to want to meet my soon-to-be wife. And I think that's what. The Have story you talked a lot to they, them about about her? They all know about her. Um, and and she know, does have a name. Yeah, my soon-to-be <laughs> wife. Um, yeah, Melissa. They they know. Um, they've seen pictures. They, um, you know, they're excited and um, they thought maybe we should go over there for uh, a reception or something. Uh, but Melissa's going to be busy this summer, and hopefully I'm busy next fall. So Correct. <laughs> so we'll see. But beyond that, I mean, what's the story? What's going to be the David Blau story when you, you know, how you ended this season? But, you know, you, yeah. you talk about being busy in the fall. What's going to be the, the David Blau story uh, you tell them or they know about? Right. I think um, they'll be extremely proud. I think um, somehow the information will be relayed to them of, you know, a perseverance story, um, and hopefully it's going to be something where I can share. Hey, you know what? It's every day is not going to be a good day. Every day is not going to be, um, you know, the way that you would hope it would be in a perfect world. But you know what? That's okay. You can learn from the bad days. You can learn from, um, you know, for them maybe it's a bad test grade. You can. You know, if if your brother's being mean to you at home, you can, you know, you can love him anyways. And, you know, and there's just a bunch of different life lessons that I've learned from the season that I hope, um, whether it's from my broken ankle and being thankful for that or um, the different, the different uh, kind of lessons I've learned through the season that I can share, you know, with the kids there and that hopefully they can learn from and that I always learn something from them too. How much would you want to introduce these kids to Tyler Trent? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That'd be like the colliding of my two worlds there. Huh? Um, you know, I think on, on some level they they share the same, you know, there's a lot of similar qualities and uh, kids who have it's hard, you know, the, being an orphan and, and losing your parents or having somebody um, drop you off somewhere or, or leave you um, and them, you know, having to learn how to deal with that and, and kind of fend for their own and uh, still, you know, want to be, get an education, want to do so many different things and accomplish your dreams it's similar to like what Tyler I you know I read the columns Tyler writes and accomplish your dreams he just wrote about it and um, uh, while he's suffering from something you know in his body here on earth they suffer too from um, being left and um, I think them being an inspiration to me and Tyler and his family being the inspiration that they are uh, I think you, know, you could create a some powerful uh, 
powerful motivation, inspiration uh, talks just from the kids there and, and Tyler's story as well. I, I think that, that'd be the Clyde into my two worlds. That'd be wonderful. I mean, when you encompass what you've been through in your career, not even factoring football, the South Africa stuff and then Tyler Trent, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's what I that's say. a pretty complete five-year right. window, isn't it, for you, for, for who you are? <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, you wish you could always do more, but, um, I mean, I try to tell people that they say, well, what are your best memories? What are your going to be the best memories about Purdue? And, you know, yeah, we beat Ohio State, but, you know, my first memory that I'm going to share probably is, um, my first experience with the kids from Bethesda in South Africa. And, uh, the best, you know, best memory I have is, getting to experience uh, Tyler and his family and um, the blessing that they are and it's kind of crazy to reflect on um, the experiences at 23 that I've gotten to have with um, internationally and here with just because you know of, of loving and serving others and you know, there's a lot of guys on our team who stand for the same things, and um, yeah, everybody's got a story. It's just it's humbling to think that I've gotten to be a part of that, you know, Bethesda Outreach International and uh, Tyler Trent here, you know, locally too. It's just it's overwhelmingly humble, humbling. So I mean. You, Serving others has been a part of your life for a long, yeah. long time. I mean, go back to when that first started. How old were you? What uh, What do you remember doing from a, whether it's a community service standpoint yeah. or something related to your church? When did, what comes to mind as yeah. far as getting the, involved in that? The first mission trip I ever went on was in middle school. Actually, fifth grade, I think. We went to the first one. Uh, we helped serve a kids ministry in West Dallas. It was a the name of the mission trip through my church, Bentry Bible Fellowship. Uh, and then in middle school, we went to San Antonio and served. And I had never been abroad. I'd never been international. But my mom always said that she had saw a leader uh, in me. Um, and, you know, whether it's like my speech at the media day talking, uh, I went to public school growing up in a very diverse town, and I'm so thankful that I did. Um, you know, I'd always have a, a African American guy or Hispanic guy, or, um, people who do, who believe different things. They would always be in my group whenever I got to pick um, my team for something. And I think you know, sports kind of knocks that wall down. Um, and yeah, I'm thankful for that. So um, I think there's sometimes people can be held up. Well, I, you know, I don't want to go to. Haiti, or I don't want to go to, um, you know, the Middle East, or Africa, or China, or whatever, just because it's a, you know, it's out of your comfort zone a little bit, and uh, I'm thankful I've had the experiences I've had, um, and the people to challenge me and push me that I have had, like Marty and small group leaders back home who have encouraged me to serve others, because really that's what we're called to do, that's what I believe your, my sole purpose on this earth is to do, is to serve others. You know, like uh, the king uh, 
who came on Christmas uh, came here to do for us, is to serve us. And um, that's what I believe. And, um, you know, I try to just walk that to the best of my ability every single day. You know, some days are better than others, and that's for sure. Um, but that's what makes the world go round. So why, how did you even end up at Purdue? <laughs> <laughs> um, after my after my sophomore season, after my junior season, I sat down, uh, made a YouTube you know video of all my best plays and my highlights, and um, I took a map of the of the you know the. Um, sorry, I'm not an artist. You know, I took a map. Well, they can't even see what you're drawing. <laughs> uh, I took a map of the United States, and I started on the. And David's not a very good drawer. I'm well, not, he's okay. Not a good drawer. No. That was quick. Uh, <laughs> started on the West Coast, and every state. Um, I went through and found every single college football program, and I emailed my film to whatever contact information I could find, whether it was on the website. Now it's impossible to find Coach Brom's email. Back back then it's, you could. It's all it's all it's all the one same base. One. Uh, yeah, recruit, yeah. <laughs> Back then you could get the individual email. Right. 2013, 12, <laughs> and I sent and probably 200 emails in the the winter break of my um ju- after my junior season and i probably got about 15 responses purdue um some smaller schools uh indiana actually baylor texas a m um and it was coach shoop at the time came to visit at my high school and i threw for him and uh he was an hour late uh he was an hour late because he was visiting another recruit and he knew that because my five receivers stayed with me that hour um, that I was a leader. He knew that these guys would run through a wall for me. They were they stayed an extra hour to catch, even though uh, you know he was an hour behind. And uh, I did a throwing program, and he said it didn't matter how I threw that day. He knew uh, that because those guys stayed for me, that I was a leader of men. Um, and after they watched the tape, they, they ended up offering me, and I. Uh, Coach Hazel and I came up and visited, and it was June. Um, yeah, you were at one of the camps. Yeah, yeah one yeah. of the camps with Kirk. It was June, and um, the weather that June, I mean, I came from 100 degrees in Dallas, and the weather was 75 and sunny. <laughs> it's like, if it's like this all the time, this is my home. Wow, did they fool you? <laughs> they tricked me, right? I'm a naive 17-year-old. <laughs> They tricked me. No, the, the weather then, gods tricked you. And then I, I committed to Purdue the day after Kirk Barron did, right. um, and that was before the Elite Eleven camp. And I had some success at the Elite Eleven, but I gave my word to Coach Hazel and Coach Shoup and that staff uh, that I was coming, and um, nothing was going to deter me from that. I always like to ask older guys, okay, if you if you didn't come here. Where would you where would you be right now? What school would you have been at, or where That's what would you be question. doing right now? That's a great question. Um, when I committed to Purdue, I didn't have many offers, um, but I think after the Elite Eleven, I probably would have had some local ones. Right. Um, you know, maybe you get Baylor at the time there. Uh, maybe you get um, TCU or Rice or North Texas. Uh, or Oklahoma State, somewhere a little closer. It's, uh, you know, still, I probably wouldn't have ever gotten the top tier, Texas or Oklahoma or uh, LSU or anything like that. So, uh, 
if I wasn't at Purdue, you know, I could I could have even seen myself ending up in Memphis. Um, I liked the coach there, it was Fuente at the time, he's at Virginia Tech now. Um, and now it's Coach Norvell who recruited me at to Arizona State when I was in high school. Um, it's crazy to see all the coaches that have bounced around too since I made my decision, but I, I really don't know. It's hard it's hard to reflect. So um, there wasn't a clear number two. Uh, it was Purdue for me. And once yeah. I learned of the tradition too, um, you know, obviously you know Drew Brees, but when you come and you learn of Greasy and Dawson and Phipps and uh, Samuels and uh, Campbell and Painter, Orton, Breeze, uh, yeah, recent got Joey, you know, there's guys that I wanted to um, follow in the footsteps of. I was like, all right, you know, that's the place for me. Uh, you know, just knowing, knowing your career the way I know it and knowing you as I know you, once your football career is over, <laughs> What do you, who, who are you going to be? I mean, you still, I would assume, want to serve others. Right. How do you do that? Do you do that through, yeah, the, uh, you know, the 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 religious means? Do you do it through the political means? Do I mean, how do you how do you go about still continuing to serve others once football's done? So, uh, you know, I I thought. Um, when I was a freshman, I, there were four things that I, I wanted to be when uh, I was done playing football. And it was, I wanted to coach, or I wanted to be a minute like a missionary. And then I, I thought that I wanted to be a Navy SEAL, but I can't <laughs> swim well enough for that. Uh, and they train really hard. They train really hard. And I thought I wanted to do that, and that one's kind of been scratched off the list. And I thought I wanted to be a pilot. Uh, but And I had a good experience with that, too. But... Um, I don't think I could be a pilot either. So I've narrowed it down to the two, you know, I, I, whether it's coaching or serving in ministry. Um, I think those are the two things that I could see myself doing. Now, um, I think there's a ministry in coaching. I think I see young men at 18 years old come in every single year and make the decision between right and wrong. And I think I would like to be somebody who influences that and hopefully in a positive direction. Um, so I've had great coaches other than my mom and dad, and my coaches in my life have been some of the most influential people. And I think being able to be that for a young man who, um, you know, is trying to find his way in life, I think that would be a way I could serve others and serve uh, the future, uh, serve people who are going to impact this world and go on and be great difference makers. and. Um, I think that's something that I would enjoy doing, and I love the game. You know, I love the game of football, so coaching incorporates that. Um, and I know it's tough on families. I know it's tough sometimes on on coaches. Sometimes you have to move a lot, and it's hard sometimes. But I think uh, there's still people, and there's people on this staff who do it the right way, uh, and there are people there are people on the old staff who did it the right way of making. Um, it about being a family, making it um, about you know helping others grow and be better and um, find their way in life, and I think that's what I would like to do. So when you're 47 years old and you're coaching a major Division One program yeah. like the guy that you play for now, yeah. are you going down a water slide shirtless 
uh, like he like he did uh, yesterday at the uh, water park sure, over here. I'm for sure going down a water <laughs> water slide shirtless, uh, like he did. Just I don't know if I'd let my son tweet it out or not. I'm just just kidding. Though. But uh, but I mean for for a major Division one head coach to ha- you know awesome, to show his it? guns yeah. to the world oh, and just get involved with with he, the uh, with you guys I like see that him in the weight room all the time he's lifting weights and. Yeah, he's got that natural build to him. That <laughs> you could tell he was an athlete back in his day. No, no question. Uh, so will Kurt Barron be on your staff whenever whenever that day comes? I think there's a lot that uh, that'll happen between now and then that will help me decide that. Because uh, he wants to get in the coaching too. I know he, he does. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he has a great career. Maybe he, who knows? But uh, I could definitely see Kurt. <laughs> potentially being on the staff. I'm not going to give a definitive yes or no to that answer <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, I've met a lot of uh, great guys along the, on, along the way, and he's one of them, but, you know, who knows? All right. Yeah. Uh, you've, you, you've been generous with your time today, but for five years, at least with me, and yeah. I, I'm going to say that publicly, that you've been one of the better better guys to come through the program that – understood the role um, of, of being the quarterback, but understood the media role and understood the, the things that went on with that. So yeah. I appreciate everything that you've you've done the last five years and being the stand-up guy or the guy that's being celebrated, you know, you were you were there one, you know, either way. So, Thank you. you know, we, we think we know almost everything about you. <laughs> but again, another question I like to ask guys, What's the one thing your teammates don't know about you? Mm-hmm. One thing my teammates don't know about me. <laughs> I know this is always a tough question. This is the icebreaker in every new class. And normally in my new classes, I can say, well, I love magic. You know? We know that. But you guys know that. <laughs> we know um, cards. You know cards. Um, you know, I love, you know, video games. You know, I love playing video games. Um, this is so tough. This is so you, you, you guys know me as well. As well, you've you've uh, you've been a pretty good open book since you got I here. I, I mean, you don't. There's not. I, I don't know. Maybe there are secrets. Maybe I should ask your mother. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should ask my she, mom. She, she she does like she, to talk. She'd probably sell me out a little bit. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Oh, it's going to come clean. All right. And this this might not be what you're looking for, but I had a childhood. My, my best friend uh, growing up, he'll be in my wedding. His name's Logan Lubke. Um, and one day, for some reason, and you know, obviously my name's David, and his dad, um, he called me Daisy one day. And Daisy was my childhood nickname growing up. That's one thing I think the guys here don't know about me, and if they did, I would have caught a lot more crap for it <laughs> during my time here because I mean, it's, just, it's just not a nickname that a, a male, a, you know, a strong quarterback. alpha you know, man <laughs> wants to have. Um, so, yeah, Daisy was probably my the one thing nobody knew about me. That's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, so... <laughs> I know it was. Uh, he, they came to the Iowa game. My best friend and some of my other best friends growing up, and they came to the Iowa game. And I can, you know, I'm pacing the sidelines. I just threw that pick, 
um, in the fourth quarter, the second one, um, and we were down, you know, and I hear this this voice from, go fix it, Daisy, you know, <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, all right, let's go fix this, and, you know, and luckily our running game got going, and we went down there and kicked that field goal and won it. So, so when did Daisy, like, finally get away other than no, the, they, still I, call, the they still call me they do my best friend back home does but i just didn't ever tell anybody about it until <laughs> december 25th 2018 <laughs> well merry christmas to everybody merry right christmas from daisy blau all right well david again appreciate your time being on the podcast taking 30 or so minutes out of yeah, your no out problem. of your day i'm sure your family's here and you've got presents to unwrap have you unwrapped a present today no uh, my family's coming tomorrow okay fiance's coming tomorrow and her family uh, and then the whole extended family's coming I had to get 29 tickets for the game so it'll be a bl- big uh, blouse section all right well again we, th- we appreciate your time and uh, uh, best of luck in the bowl game and then best of luck uh, you know after that so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the boilers extra podcast with david blau and uh, we'll be back uh Uh, Nathan and I probably after the game to wrap up what happened in the Music City Bowl. Thanks, Mike. Merry Christmas.